Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the weekly program featuring Mother's great answers to questions from her live shows over the years from the great 1990s through 2000. And, of course, I'm joined, as always, by the man who was here at that time, Father mm-hmm. Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to see you. And our chaplain, of course. And good to be with you. You know, whenever I visit my mother in Iowa, she's got this little scrap of white marble. I wonder if you have one, Doug. And it's got Mother Angelica's signature on it. And uh, every time I think of that, I think of all the families came there of the friars and the nuns. And they got to see the shrine and the monastery before it was officially dedicated. And you just think about the remarkable things that God can do when we say yes. And that's what Mother did. She said yes. And so she's teaching us how to say yes, too. Let's look at our topics for today, Father. Do something about your fear, figuring out what God wants, a reason not to put yourself in other people's shoes. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And first up, am I making my kids too religious? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, yesterday I had a delightful uh, encounter with a family and uh, I think they had seven girls, <laughs> no boys. It said we got a dog was a boy, but uh, they grew up. They grew up watching EWTN and the children's programmings, and they knew all of the children's programs. But there was just such a beauty, you know, in that family life, and they were loving each other and encouraging each other, and it was just a delight to see. You know, it said when you see something beautiful, it gives you just a little appetizer of heaven, and I just felt like. This is what God wants for families. So, no, the Lord only enriches families. Right, and I think there's caricatures of people. And, of, mm-hmm. of course, people can exaggerate anything right. to their detriment. Any, there can be too much of a good thing, quote-unquote, in some ways. But a lot of that's used against people who are trying to be counterculture, are trying to mm-hmm. live out their faith in a culture with a lot of people who are hurting. And I think there's a lot of almost jealousy in some ways. Yeah, and you think about just the negative influence and what's going on in public schools today, and you understand why families are saying, we've got to do something. We've got to do something different. And we've got to let the Lord be the center of our life and of our children's lives, because otherwise the culture is going to eat them alive. Absolutely, and our Lord wanted them to come to him as children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're living in a world, uh, as Mother alludes to, you know, they go from 6 to 16 in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe even further and faster these days with the Internet. Let's see what Mother has to say. Am I making my kids too religious? We have a call. Hello? Yes, Mother, how yeah, are you? I'm fine. Okay, Mother, I need to ask you a question. I have four children, all small, and from seven and under, and I would like to ask you if I, I teach my children all of our ways of Our Lady, and I have so, much, so many people telling me that I'm making them too religious. I don't allow them to watch the regular programs on television, and, you know, I have so many people telling me all the time that you're going to over... You know, you're going to overdo it with your children. Please help me with this. I really have a hard time with it. Thank you, and God bless you for this program. I love you so much. Thank you. Don't pay attention to what others say. 
I don't know of any program I would want a child of mine to see. Your child must be brought up pure. That's something unheard of today. We want to throw our children into the lion's den. We want them to experience everything by the time they're 10 years old. They start wearing makeup at seven. See, we, we have not allowed our children, and now in the schools they're taking sex education, third, fourth, fifth grades. Why can't we let our kids be kids? Why can't we allow them to grow up the way God wants them to grow a little at a time? Why does your child have to be exposed to the rot on television? Sex, violence. Why do they have to be educated at such a young age? To what? You hang in there, don't pay attention to anybody. Your child has a right to purity of heart and mind. They're not able to handle the things we throw at them. Even some of your cartoons are not any good. Some of the cartoons characters look like they came out of hell. I saw a little nine-year-old kid going down the street with a picture of the devil on his shirt. And his mother said, isn't it cute? I don't think it's cute at all. Now, if I were to say, why don't you put a t-shirt on this kid that has Jesus on? She said, oh, I don't want to make a fanatic out of him. We don't even think right. We don't think right. You don't mind if your, your kid goes around and, and delves into satanic things, but you're afraid of controlling him and having some kind of discipline. I didn't have television when I was a kid. I learned about life early. When you're struggling to survive, you learn about things very early. But I had a mother who loved me. She may have cried every day, but at least she loved me. I didn't have television and radio and all these kind of things that corrupt your mind. You just keep on doing what you're doing. Soon enough, they shall understand. And soon enough, they will feel the sting, the disappointment, and heartaches of life. Give them a pure, holy, joy-filled childhood. Television, movies, has taken away about 10 years from our children. They're 6 and then they're 16. Don't you do that. Dare to be different by doing what's right. Don't worry about anybody else. When we die, there's nobody going to be around us. There's only Jesus. So don't teach him with love. Teach them not out of fear, but love. 
Today, you see, we've taken sin out of society. And that's why those children are the slightest idea, even when they commit a sin. I talked to a sister one time. I said, do you talk about the Trinity in your class? Oh, goodness, no, she said, they're too young. That's the fourth, fifth grade. I said, you have sex education? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. See, that's just a mixed up world we're in. You don't need to be mixed up. You have the deposit of faith. You have a church that teaches you faith and morals. Not people, not theologians, not all these people that run around, they have every place you go, they all think something different now. You keep on doing what you're doing. Next up, another interesting topic, a reason not to put yourself in other people's shoes. That seems mm. odd. <laughs> yeah, it does. We often hear that, right? Mm-hmm. You can't understand them till you walk them. But Mother's talking about something different here. In other words, your life is not going to turn out the way your parents' lives necessarily did. The negative aspects of that. And it's always interesting to hear Mother talk about her early years and the hardships. And as I've said before, that it didn't define her. You know, it didn't ruin the rest of her life, but rather God would use it for good. That mother was known for her her compassion, and that's why she could relate to people so well and their questions, because she understood. She had been there. She knew what it was to have someone in her own family with depression and so on. Why do you think uh, there there's this caricature out there that gets pushed that mother's stern and she's mm-hmm. wagging her finger at people? Well, she would, could be direct, you know, and that was what made her attractive as well. They loved her sense of humor, but they liked that she didn't pull punches as far as what needed to be said. It was things that they were thinking themselves, and we're glad somebody's saying it clearly, distinctly, just re- regarding what the culture and what's going on. So, but if you knew Mother, and you and I knew her for so many years— right. You always saw this warmth. In fact, we just had our retreat director, Father Gallagher. He said his first impression he met Mother was just this warmth and this welcome. Right, exactly. And it's interesting, too. I think the point Mother makes here is that you're not going to become what your parents were necessarily, but it's probably a good idea to be aware of some of Mm -hmm. those shortcomings so that maybe you can avoid the same pitfalls, right? That is a good point, yeah, that we can become what we abhor, too. Like if there's something in our parents or anyone else, a, a sibling, something that we abhor, we can actually become that very thing. So it can help us, too, to do the opposite. Right. Like St. Therese's mother grew up with a very cold mother, and so her mother did the opposite. She was a very warm mother. Right. A reason not to put yourself in other people's shoes. Sometimes it's true. We have another call. Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you, Mother? Um, one of my biggest fears is um, mental illness. You know, I kind of grew up with my mother who was not real stable. She, your mother's not stable? Well, not really. Yeah. But um, I'm afraid it's going to happen to me. What is how? What do you mean not stable? Is she, you know, she frantic or, or depressed or what? Both. Yeah. 
and I, I saw her when we were growing up, and I've, I've got young kids of my own now, and sometimes I just think I'm just going to, you know, no. fall under just like her. No, that's not going to happen to you. I don't, I don't, that doesn't always follow her. My mother was so depressed every day, and the whole time I was going to school, uh, whether it was grade school or high school, I never left home without seeing her cry. Her whole life, she cried. And and um, you see, you 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 can't be putting yourself in other people's shoes. There may be reasons for your mother to cry. You have the slightest idea. My mother cried all the time because she was divorced. And she had gone to a, um, a missionary, an old Italian missionary. This is in the, I don't know, 30s or 40s, early 40s. No, it could have been late 30s. And uh, this missionary just pulled her over the coals because she was divorced. And she walked out of that confessional and never went to church again. And so she, he instilled in her such a fear that she had committed some terrible sin against the Holy Spirit. And it took a long time for me to convince her that she had been good and holy and, and sacrificed her life for me. And, and uh, I'm not depressed like she is, depressive or crying all the time. See, it doesn't always follow. There's a, you got to trust in the Lord. See, he's given you a family. And now you got to concentrate on, on your family and, and may do your duty. Concentrate and don't worry about your mother. Well, you don't know. Nobody really knows why people get depressed. I never knew for years why my mother cried every day. Every day. Sometimes I know because she couldn't feed me. We didn't have clothes. We didn't have food. We didn't have uh, heat. And I thought that was it. But even when things got better, she still cried. It was years and years and years before I knew the real reason. So that doesn't follow that if your mother was depressed and not, that you're going to be that way. You just go to Jesus and Mary and say, look, I give this to you now, and I'm going to live my life with my family, okay? There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Answering the Call. Each week here on EWTN Radio with Father Joseph, Mary Wolf, and myself, Doug Keck. Let's talk about mm -hmm. our next topic, figuring out what God wants. That seems pretty inscrutable sometimes. It is, and I actually gave a couple of conferences on this to some 18 men, and there's, there were 17 wives, one is a single man, who are aspiring to be deacons in the diocese, and they wanted to know, how do we know God's will? Well, part of that and their wives are part of the formation, is that they discern together. Is this going to be something that will enhance our prayer in our family life, or is it maybe an escape <laughs> from the burdens of family life? 
Is it going to be too burdensome? So, yeah, and that's basically what Mother is saying here, too. It's something that he has to discern with his wife. Right. I thought was really important here, that point, that whole point of your state in life. You have to make Mm -hmm. sure that when you're taking on these additional wonderful spiritual responsibilities, Mm -hmm. that, like you said, they're enhancing your first call, your first vocation Mm -hmm. as husband and wife, family. That comes first. If that enhances it, great. If it takes away from it, you better think about it twice. You better think about it again because that is your primary vocation and that's where you're going to grow in holiness. Just the simple everyday struggles of life. Doesn't mean you can't do something great and outside work. And families really should look at that too. What are ways as we as a family can reach out to help others? Right. And as Mother said, with herself in in testing things, uh, you know, you don't sit around for two years and effectively, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) coming up with all waiting for the perfect answer. In a sense, you start. Mm -hmm. And in starting, then you notice whether if it's God's will, the doors will open for you, right? And if it's bearing good fruit or not, you judge a tree by its fruit. Absolutely. Figuring out what God wants. We have another call. Isn't this fun? Yes. Hello? Hello, Mother. I'm from Louisiana. Uh-huh. I'm calling because I, um, in prayer, um, very deep prayer with the Blessed Mother and the Lord, I was instructed, you know, through my own thoughts, to do something for the Lord and carry out a mission for Him. I get very fearful and, and that I don't want to do anything that's not of the Lord. And why He would ask just a normal person like me to do something for Him like that. I just every day find myself just not trusting, getting a little scared, wondering, you know, why I would be chosen to do this. Uh, do, do you feel that you, that God has asked you to do something for him? Yes, Mother. Then do it. Why Why are you holding back? Because um, I just, just, we always say we're told to test things, and I don't know quite how to do that. I how don't to... either, sweetheart. <laughs> I, I think... I tell you how I test something. I do. Yeah, I do. And that is, if God inspires me with something, I begin. And he opens the door. See? If you feel for sure that God has inspired you to do something, and I, I don't know what it is, but if you have to test, is it for the honor and glory of God? Are you married? Yes, ma'am. You have children? Yes, ma'am, three. Okay. So now the second road is... Is it going to interfere with my role as a, a wife and a mother? See? Now, if you got inspired to go to a prayer group every night, I would say that's not from the Lord. you got to be faithful to the duties of your state in life. See? I'd like to ski down the slope, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the talent. I don't have the legs for it. And I don't have the strength. I'm too old. Besides, I have commitments here, right? Do you think I have a commitment? And I'm committed to God. I'm committed to my community. I'm committed to this network. And so I can't do those things. So you do have to test to say, is this for the honor and glory of God? But always remember, keep your vocation in mind, uppermost. If a woman has a, a, a family and a husband to care for, she can't go out to a prayer group every night. That's not right. If things are okay, she may have, be able to go once a week. But you see, how? look at your vocation. Is this thing that I'm asked to do going to interfere with my vocation as a wife or mother? 
If it is, then you don't have to worry about not doing it. See? Now, if your inspiration is to say an extra rosary every day, you can manage that. If your inspiration is to maybe visit a, 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 an old lady's home, a convalescent home, I talk it over with your husband. Bring a couple of your children along just so that they understand and, and begin to learn compassion. But that can never interfere with your duties. You understand? The, when we want to do God's will, God's will is what? My state in life. God's will for me is according to how, what, how I should be as a religious. God's will for you may be how to be a single person or a married person, whatever. But that's how you measure what you get inspired with, see? And, and you have to share with your family and say, what do you think of this? That's when you will find out God's will. So don't be afraid of saying, well, I'm afraid to do it. Maybe it is that you'll find out real quick by talking to your husband and your family. If they're too young, well, just talk to your husband about it and say, do you think this is good? If he says yes, boom, go and do it. It's God's will. If not, I would be at peace and don't worry about it. And closing out this week's program, the topic, do something about your fear. And now this is, uh, I think a young person calls in, right? Yes, and mother gives good, just practical advice and then some good spiritual advice. So do something about it. You know, these little things, these little, uh, practically, could you have a nightlight, you know? And I remember it brought to mind the story, maybe you remember it some years ago, this little boy had been abducted. He was being taken away in a car, and he just started singing praise hymns that he had knew, known in the, the church. And they said, shut up, be quiet, but he wouldn't. He just kept singing these praise hymns. Finally, they kicked him out of the car, you know? So it's like, Remember you're not alone. Right. That was the spiritual message that Mother had here, that remember that you're not alone, right. that Jesus is with you, your guardian angel. Well, it reminded me of an old episode of Davy and Goliath from the <laughs> 1950s where Davy's locked on a inside a railroad car he shouldn't have been in, and slowly in the background you hear God... God is everywhere, everywhere, reminding him that he wasn't alone, mm. that he could still have recourse mm. to the Lord. Yeah. And I think a lot of our fears are rooted in thinking we are alone, that there is no divine help that we can call upon up above, and that God will in some way turn all things to our good. Right. I think that's old Buster working once again. <laughs> Let's see what Mother has to say about do something about your fear. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Yeah. I'm calling from Chicago. Uh, my fear of Mother Angelica is that I, I'm afraid of when I die facing God. Yeah. It's a fear that I have, not of dying, only of going to the throne and facing God. Let's look at that another way, okay? I, I think what you're afraid of is judgment. But... The fact that you're facing God, you see, those who go to hell, when as soon as they see God, they turn. They didn't want to look at God, but that's not the case with you, see? You don't have to be afraid of judgment because he is the most gentle and loving judge, truthful. But see, we, we can't equate in life, we can't equate judgment and love. Do you, you find that hard to do? You find if something's going, somebody's going to judge you, 
or make you pay for something, then you take love out of that, don't we? We take love out of that? You see, that isn't true with God. God is infinitely loving. He doesn't cease to be loving when I die. See, when, I, when you face God's heart, it, it isn't God's going to judge you. You see yourself in Him with such a clear, such a clarity that, that you know exactly where you are, and you want to do that. For example, one time I used to make negatives for our print shop. We used to do everything ourselves. This time I made two negatives of the same picture. Well, I looked and looked for the second negative, couldn't find it. In fact, I, and I leaned over the sink where it was. I put my hand at the sink and I leaned over thinking I, I dropped it on the other side. And my hand moved the negative and there it was. There was a second negative. They had stuck together. And it went like this. Just kind of went like this. And then I said, oh, two negatives. I said, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus said to me, Angelica. I said, yes, Lord. Did you see those two negatives? Yes. He said, put them both together. And I did. And I, I could only see one negative. They were so perfect. It was one picture. And he said, that's like heaven. He said, when you die, if my image in you is perfect, then you will run into my arms. He said, now move it a little. So I moved it and it was all blurry. Oh, it wasn't too nice, see? The eyes were all blurry. The mouth was in the wrong place. The ears were wrong, you know? And he said, that's purgatory. That's like purgatory. He said, you see, the image is not quite right. Now he said, Take one away totally. Turn it away. And he said, that's hell. So the person themselves turn away from God. And I learned a great lesson from that, not to be afraid of dying. If I love Jesus, I'm trying my best to do his will. And I think you're doing that then you don't have to be afraid to see him face to face. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.